This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. One. Thank you, Steve. (laughs) And we are back. Episode 10. Officially a decade in episodes old. And let me be the first or last to wish you a very happy Halloween. Really? <laughs> for for those uh, who can't see with this audio podcast, uh, he just put on what looks like the Hamburglar's mask, which exactly is right. very ridiculous. We'll screen cap this uh, and we'll make it the cover art for this episode. Uh, <laughs> we'll just take a picture. The only thing I don't like about this mask is I'm cross-eyed. I think I might have a lazy eye. Nothing wrong with a lazy eye, but... So, yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, it can turn into like, all right. Let's let's get into it. Let's let's talk right. some Notre Dame football, I suppose, sure. right? Yeah, that was a weird way to start a podcast, but you know, I'm on my toes and I had a pretty good week. Uh, it's Halloween uh, here in the States, and really, Notre Dame is undefeated 8 and 0 for the first time since. 2012. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that is a wild stat. I am very happy at that. And uh, really, the the Navy game. I know we said we were going to do something before this, but the Navy game was scary for a little bit. I don't love that we had Drew Tranquil go down with an injury, and Justin Yoon was just on the sideline the whole game. But other than that. I was pretty happy with how Book played, how the offense played, and uh, that's where I'm at right now. What are your thoughts on the Navy game, gentlemen? Well, first off, I would like everyone for this podcast only to address me as Dylan, World Series champion. Thank you very much, the Boston (laughs) Red Sox. Before we get into that, your fucking fan base needs to learn how to ride the goddamn train. Horrible. It was horrible. I wanted to the kill myself. Raid ended at 3 p.m. Three. Three. And at 5.40, when I was trying to get my train home, there were still millions of people trying to get on the train with no sense of etiquette whatsoever. I'm sitting in a two-person seat. Someone sits right next to me. I'm 230 pounds. I'm a <laughs> wide human being. No <laughs> one should be able to sit next to me on the train. But this fucking asshole, oh, I'm a Red Sox fan. I'm going to go sit right next to you. I'm a world champ. You didn't win a goddamn series. Now get out of my train seat. They can sniff the Yankee off you. That's why. So just to, to give you a little anecdote, Nick, <laughs> that I know no one else will understand this in the entire world except for you, and I know it's going to drive you crazy. So I was at, obviously, Providence Station this morning hopping on the train up to Boston. And you know how at Cafe La France, how there's uh, two lines. There's the actual like cafe line, and then there's the MBTA ticket line. Oh no. Not only were people like flooding into the cafe line, like which I barely was able to get a coffee on, and I was 20 minutes early to my show. Is that tattoo girl still there? She's super nice. Yes, very nice. Love her. Um, but not only that, but when they these people actually finally did get into the uh, the MBA ticket, MBTA ticket line, they had no idea that it was cash only. Oh no. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, I I was very irritated this morning, oh and nobody God. else understands 
any of what I just said. Uh, so it's very topical for our Notre Dame Fighting Irish Football podcast. But just, just know that I had a horrible morning and that would piss off any commuter. Oh, my God. So back to this Dylan world champion, go Red Sox, whatever. Get off. Uh, tell me about the Navy game. Give me your thoughts and I'll jump in when I have a comment. Right. So you got to keep in mind, I was also watching game four, I believe, of the World Series. So I was kind of ping-ponging there. But uh, look, the Irish are the Irish, right? You always got to keep an eye on them. Um, First half looked like it was an Alabama performance, the way we were kind of putting them down, stopping them on defense, running it up on them on offense. And then we just kind of didn't really play defense in the second half, which, you know, it's whatever. We ended up beating them by 22. I think we pushed the spread. Um, I mean, that's still a blowout. People freaked out. We still won by more than three touchdowns. Um, I'm pretty happy with it overall. I saw really good things from Book. Um, Boykin is just a monster. Claypool's really coming into his own, and I think next year Claypool's going to assert himself as maybe one of the top receivers in the draft class. Um, Running backs look solid. Um, Defense in the first half was really good. Um, As long as Drew Tranquil can play for us at some point, I think that'll be a big win for Notre Dame to get Navy off the schedule. Um, I want to address a couple of things. One, uh, Patty, you said that this game scared you a little bit. It did. And I know that I am chicken little. I am the chicken little of Notre Dame football. The, the sky is consistently falling, uh, from at all times, from all angles for me. Uh, but I wasn't, I wasn't concerned really, even in the second half when we gave up some yards, gave up some, you know, a couple, you know, that actually that, that big run, I think, um, which initiated it where we should have had a a tackle off the left edge, but didn't wasn't, wasn't really concerned, knew that we had the game in the bag. I guess if it was any other team besides Navy, um, there would have been cause for concern, but for a team that, you know, we know that you, they literally are incapable of passing the football being up three touchdowns or four touchdowns, wherever the hell it was at halftime. It's like, I mean, that game was, was already done now. So, to comment on my point a little bit further, I wasn't afraid of the outcome. That I knew the outcome was going to happen regardless. I called a 51-10 win uh, last week. Mm-hmm. But the ticky-tack high school offense with the cut blocks and the leg whip and the rolling up on guys that they do because they can't really work on the blocking schemes because of their other Naval Academy commitments, that scared me. I learned how to block when I was in when I played football, and the cut block, if you do it wrong, you can severely hurt someone. And we saw that with Tranquil getting rolled up on. Luckily, it wasn't the ACL, but there was always that potential there. Yeah. So, I, all right. So I'm glad we all clarified that that we weren't exactly scared of a comeback. But yeah, I mean, it's not that they play chippy uh, because the service academies typically they just play hard. Uh, it's just the style of play. It's like, just accept defeat and roll over. Let me pet your belly. Um, yep. But yeah, I mean, that overall, we just, we wire to wire, just dominated the game. Um, the first like seven plays, I'm pretty sure Aloe Gilman had like six tackles. <laughs> just like <laughs> literally dominating the line of scrimmage from the free safety position. It was, it was a fun game. It was actually one of the, the few games all year where I was like, oh, wow, like this is enjoyable to watch and I don't want to kill myself. So that's my thoughts. Dylan, any more takeaways on your end? 
Yeah, not really. I think that's well said. Um, I'm just glad we're done with Navy for the year. They always hurt us. It's annoying. I don't know why we play them anymore. It's pretty much oh, yeah. You had your anti-American uh, take the other day. But uh, Notre Dame Navy 2020, that was cool. Um, Notre Dame Navy 2020 being played in Dublin again. Uh, that's, that's pretty interesting. They're playing at, I think, Aviva Stadium, which is a big rugby uh, pitch over there. You know, that's where they played last time. Yeah. I love Aviva. I can tell you that. I've watched so many Ireland rugby games at Aviva. It's the best atmosphere of all sports. So that's a, that's my rugby take for the week. Uh, by the way, my university is still number one in the nation. 38-12 win this weekend going on to the conference finals uh, this week. Go Seahawks. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't sound like we have too many takeaways from Navy. Uh, let's get into the four horsemen real quick. Well, I definitely, I still have some takeaways to get, oh, okay. get to. I, I have my campy bits, you know, yeah. there's Birchy bits, there's campy bits now. I love Michael Birch, but that's beside the point. Yeah. I'll, I'll run through these really quick. A lot of them have to do with, I guess, recap. And there's some statistics in here, but sure. it's just some, some things that I found. Uh, really cool. So I'll, I'll make it quick. It's only six points here. Number one, Drew Tranquil. Ben confirmed it's a high ankle sprain, no structural damage. Uh, so no broken bones, no torn ligaments. Uh, I originally thought it was an ACL, which would have been his third, which was very scary. So, uh, the typical time frame for recovery, which I, um, you know, did a bunch of, of research. It's typically four to six weeks. Now the guys can come back sooner than that. We've, I think it was Cole Komet or one of the other tight ends, um, who earlier this season got rolled up on, got a high ankle sprain, and was playing the next week. So it's not impossible to play with a high ankle sprain, but where it has its effect the most is your lateral uh, agility. So moving side to side. So for a guy like Drew Tranquil, who's running literally left to right every single play, um, you know, taking out, you know, the uh, you know whether it be short passes into the flat or a, a pitch or an outside run that's where he might struggle. So even if it takes him, you know, two weeks of sitting until we uh, have the Syracuse game. Uh, so three weeks from now, I think that might not be the worst play in the world is to let him recover. But Brian Kelly has said that he's uh, very, very dedicated to his, his health and recovery. So we obviously hope that drew gets back because he's my favorite player on the team. Um, so who will replace him right now? It was, it was drew white that replaced him against Navy. There's also, um, you know, speculation that's going to be either Jordan Genmark Heath or f- true freshman Shane Simon. Uh, I, so the I next two games, lot, uh, personally, I think he played very well uh, in that role. And I think the next two games, the running attack is atrocious for both Northwestern mm-hmm. and uh, and Florida State. So I think, well, not Florida State. Who, who's after Northwestern? Was I right, Florida State? Yeah, Northwestern, Florida State, Cuse. Yeah, not going crazy. USC. So. Perfect. Not going crazy. Confirmed. Perfect. Um, speaking of injuries and coming back, welcome back Jafar Armstrong, and I'm sure he'll be one of the four horsemen, at least for one of us. Um, nine carries, 52 yards, and a touchdown. Five catches, 64 yards, led the team in, recip- uh, in receiving. Um, number three. Point number three. I think it's become abundantly clear that uh, Miles Boykin is obviously Ian Book's favorite target. Obviously, they've had great chemistry over the last couple of weeks, but 
four catches for him. Two of those were touchdown receptions for 58 yards. Uh, one of those uh, receptions was on a huge third down. So he just seems like obviously the go-to guy. Uh, it's and, and especially in the red zone too. I mean, he's a big body, which makes sense. Um, we also have some incredible tight ends. I'd like to see some tight ends get the ball in the red zone, but just get the ball into the end zone. That's all that matters. Uh, and, and Boykin is obviously the, the favorite there. Point number four, um, not so much the return of the Mac. So uh, Alizé Mac, two catches. They were basically uh, flat patterns that he, you know, two catches for 10 yards. Uh, and I, I noticed on a lot of plays that Alizé Mac, who I was so high on heading into the season, I thought this was finally it. I thought this was finally his breakout and he was going to be a first round talent. He's kind of disappeared into the offense. He's kind he's of. In, uh, he's in concussion protocol again. Is he again? I know he he's struggled all year, especially with that first big hit of the year against uh, Michigan, which he was cleared to come back. So yeah, no, uh, in the in the game they put him into concussion protocol, uh, according to Kelly. So he he's day to day right now. He'll probably miss this week. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was it's that's another thing that had become apparent is that Cole Kmet, and I'm sure this might have some have. Obviously, the concussion pr- protocol would have had something to do with that, but Cole Komet was getting the majority of the saps, especially in the red zone. Uh, last two points, Aaron Banks, left guard, solid start. Um, the run game over the last three games has averaged 167 yards. Ian Book seems like he's good for 250 to 300 each week, so we're, cl- we're a- almost averaging 500 yards a game, and we have statistically the most accurate passer in the nation. So this is just quite fun to watch. Um, you know, the, the offense starts to click last point, uh, Navy dropped back to pass 14 total times in the game. One of them ended up being a scramble. Um, of the 14 times they dropped back to pass Julian Aquara disrupted the QB in one way or another on three of those 14 times. So that means literally 21% of the time that there was a pass attempt from Navy, they were getting hit by Julian Aquara, where he had two hurries in a quarterback sack. So uh, I, I'm a analytical guy. I love statistics, and that was actually a funny little statistic. Those are uh, those are pretty wild numbers, and kind of parlays nestling to the four horsemen. Uh, I'll start with mine. Uh, Ian Book, 380 yards of total offense uh, for the game. 50 yards rushing, 330 yards passing. Uh, number two, Brian Kelly. Taking the photo heard around the world, the Swag Daddy Kelly photo, <laughs> my favorite picture on the internet. Um, I I love him. He's the best coach in the nation. Uh, and I'll, I'll bet my hat on it or whatever the expression is. Uh, number three, I really like the play of the entire defensive line. But what really stood out to me was the interior line tackling the dive every time. I don't think Navy had a dive play actually go for any yards. Um, it was pretty a, much a moot point. And when you get rid of part of the triple option, it just turns into a regular option, making everything else easier. And uh, finally, Aloe Gilman, uh, number one pregame speech, got them all pumped up. Icon is going to be awesome this week. And uh, he played like a man possessed. He played like he had something to prove. And I think he proved it. So there are my four. Dylan. Yeah. Um, fourth, I got um, Tavon Coney. I thought he was pretty much a monster that game. Uh, he had, uh, I think it was like 14 tackles. 
eight solo and a tackle for loss. So big game from him. Uh, but I thought this was more of an offensive game. Uh, so number three, I had Miles Boykin, um, like Steve went through. Uh, two touchdowns. He's all over the place. He's averaging way over 10 yards, a little over 10 yards uh, per reception. Number two, I went with Ian Book. Um, I have him here pegged 95.7 QBR. That's pretty fucking good. Um, he had a really good game. Even though he threw that pick, um, he put up a lot of accuracy, a lot of yards. Um, he's just a he's just a baller. Um, he's been one of the best things um, I think that's happened to us this season. And then lastly, uh, you kind of got to go with Dexter Williams. He scored three touchdowns. Uh, he's like 140 rushing yards. So, yeah, those are my four. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. You just wanted to add two quick points. Ian Book also added 50 yards of rushing. So that before, so he had 380 total yards, which is pretty yeah. sick. So that point too, Steve. Thanks for listening to what I say. I'm glad I'm a value participant on this program. Sorry, my girlfriend's trying to break into my room right now while I'm podcasting, and she's being very annoying. Does she have an opinion on the Irish? Matt, how do you think we played this past Saturday? We had a bye, didn't we? She, she says that we had a bye week. So, <laughs> Wow, that's a fireable offense. Get, just get, get out of here, please. Thank you. Okay, so uh, also uh, Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool, um, the Canadian fellow, which I think we're going to get into that in a little bit. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> but, um, they're both really obviously they're massive human beings. They're great run blockers, so you got to love both of them, and, and they really open up the you know into the secondary. Um, without getting statistical in any way, shape, or form, I'll just name off uh, four guys who I think played great. Obviously, Ian Book, Dexter Williams, um, and then I'll go with you know my guys from before, which would be um, you know Tavon Coney. And Julian Aquara. So love them all. Great team win. No Armstrong. Awesome. Nobody picked Jafar Armstrong. I, I well, love Jafar. I love Jafar. Um it would and that's one thing that I I, I did want to see is more more t- uh carries from him. I mean he got plenty of touches. He got 14 touches. Um, but nine carries for him where there was twenty-three for Dexter. I think at a certain point when you're blowing out a team. Dexter should have been out at maybe 18 carries, and then you could have split the rest between Tony and uh, and Jafar. And you could have put Ian Wimbush at some point during the game. I just feel bad for the kid at this point. What but that's neither here nor there. Uh, this is going off of what Notre Dame today or Notre Dame Sports Daily, whatever that nerd does in the Pacific Northwest uh, that I follow anyway. He had Malik Zaire on today uh, to answer questions on his Instagram. Uh, one of the questions was, is a hot dog a sandwich? Uh, Malik said it's its own special category. Neither here nor there. He graduated from Florida. But <laughs> I got to thinking, why don't we do our own? Two of us are American here, and one of you is not. We are doing a brand new segment, a new <laughs> vertical, something that I thought of when I was drunk. Uh, it's called Ask a Canadian. Dylan is our neighbor to the north, as you all know. World Series champion, yes. But regardless, I have some questions about Canada, and I need them answered. We're going to do two a week. I got two, Steve's got two, and we're going to go from there. So my first one, do you celebrate Halloween in Canada? Yes, we do. Uh, 31st of October, Halloween is celebrated. Follow-up, still say first question. Tell me about it. Is it a costume? <laughs> Are there the parties? I need to know how Canada gets down with Halloween. 
I would assume it's literally the same way you do it. There's uh, goofy costumes, kids go trick-or-treating, and uh, teenagers and college students get wasted and have a lot of unprotected sex. And that's Oh, wow. No, that, we, we don't say that here, Dylan. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Right. Trick-or-treating is a thing in Canada. Yes. Okay, good to know. Steve, you're first ask uh, ask a Canadian. So, um, if you ask me pretty much anything about American history, I could rattle off I was almost anything. Yeah, I probably could too. You guys I have no idea anything whatsoever about Canadian history. So, let's oh, there was that fort in Nathaniel Green to Tondero. No, that was New York. Uh, not let's yeah. get one baseline fact uh, here. All Canadians know. Yeah, so, when was Canada founded? Oh boy, um, that's kind of a complicated question a little bit because um, we were kind of colonized first by the French and then the English. That was a very long time ago. Um, and they fought over Canada for a while. And then Canada was divided. Provinces were really part. There was upper and lower Canada and all that crazy fun stuff. But to answer your question, um, Canada became an independent sovereign country in 1867. That's uh, when our constitution was founded. Um, that was basically the UK, the, the British won the war of Canada, so they were our coloners and um, they granted us that. Um, and then we got the statute of Westminster, which allowed us to have full control of our foreign affairs after World War One. I. I don't know the year, I'm gonna say like 27 or something. But yeah, Canada was a, an official country in 1867. All right, two years after the Gettysburg Address. Um, okay, and my second question about Canada in general, and I f forgive me for being entirely very ignorant. Do you guys have summer? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good follow-up question to me. Answer them both at the same time. Where the hell are your beaches? <laughs> I wish this was a bit that I was doing, but I, to my knowledge, Canada. I, I know where the beaches are because I plan on going to uh, to Cabot Links in a couple, hopefully next year, which is in Nova Scotia, which is like a premier golf resort. Shout out foreplay. Um, but yeah, what do you guys have summer? And where are your beaches? Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, Canada is pretty much the United States in most ways. Most of us live near the border, actually. So our climates are not that different. Um, Canadian summer, uh, I mean, if you're in Eastern Canada, it's the same as New England. The same damn thing. Um, our summers tend to end early and start uh, start late. Kind of. What are we talking here, like July to August? No. <laughs> when, when does a Boston summer start? April. Memorial Day. It's basically yeah. Memorial Day to Labor Day. May to September. I don't know what Memorial Day is, but... Uh, oh, May 24th. Oh, 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 Mr. It's when we honor our troops. Okay, May 24th. Um, yeah, so the snow is usually gone by, I'd say, March in Canada. Some places, April. <laughs> Some places. Um, we're not counting the north, because up north is Arctic, and I don't know anything about there either, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but, you know, civilized... I shouldn't say that... Um, livable Canada where people live for the most part. Um, our summers are pretty much like that. Our beaches are anywhere where there's water. Um, like Steve said, he's going to Nova Scotia. Um, that's right on the ocean. So there's lots of beaches in Nova Scotia. Um, I grew up originally in New Brunswick, 
right above Maine, borders Maine, same kind of thing. Lots of beaches there. Um, West Coast. Now are there, are they sandy beaches, rocky? What's the topography? Oh, you get a mix. Um, Prince Edward Island's got probably the best beaches in Canada. They're red. Oh, they have good mussels, right? Uh, potatoes too. Yeah, that's what they're known for: potatoes and mussels. Mussels and potatoes. That's what guy does. Yeah, you can imagine they're Irish, so that that would make sense. Um, but yeah, the uh, the soil there's red, so the beaches are red. That's really cool. Uh, Eastern Canada, because it's all connected to the ocean and the bays and stuff, they got all their beaches. I mean, you could find some beaches, I think, near lakes in the rest of Canada. Uh, but we have beaches. I imagine it's just like you guys, at least in the north part of the United States. You can well, ask me more. We don't have to limit it to two questions each. No, we're limited. Them. We I, actually, I, I really don't want to talk about Northwestern. Uh, fuck Isaiah Bowser, Bowser talking all that shit. Uh, he said that if any team's going to beat Notre Dame, it's going to be them. Coming for you, Isaiah. And that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, I, I agree. If there's any team that's going to beat us, it's going to be Northwestern. They won't. But they, we're Syracuse. I'm so not buying Syracuse. Sorry, I don't believe in them. I am a Northwestern. No, but the whole thing is, and this is a pretty great transition point here. Syracuse is a top 25 team. They're playing in New York with Dino Babers as the coach in those stupid jerseys at Yankee Stadium in the end of November with a trip to USC the following week after senior day. That's eight points right there that I just made. And Steve and I are going to be in attendance. And if anything bad's going to happen to the season, it will be when we're in attendance. And Wait. then we have to do a live reaction on the train. You say playing in Yankee Stadium as if it's an advantage for Syracuse. It is. It's, it's New not. York. That no, would be New York. Dame Syracuse. It's a Notre Dame crowd. Well, I, I wish this was a video podcast because I would draw a whole map of New York and show you why I'm concerned. Syracuse is the only legitimate team that New York has. Rutgers sucks. Are you sure there's not more Notre Dame fans in New York than Syracuse? No, there, there may be. There definitely will maybe. And I think Notre I think Dame this is going to be a 60-40 crowd. It's very concerning because uh, – I'm drawing a picture. Hold on. <laughs> this might happen. I'm going to – once you draw this, I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, – I'm going to narrate this. All right. Because I have the microphone where nobody oh nobody else has invested in one yet. It's like seven dollars on Amazon. It's cute. It picks up the bass in my voice. Yeah, you sound like uh, a regular Al Capone or whatever. All right, hmm. here's here's New York. So it looks like a picture of New York. Okay, the top part up here, that's where Syracuse is, Dylan. Okay. So he's pointing to the top of the page. That's where Syracuse is. Right here, that's the Browns. Okay, that's where no, he's pointing to the bottom of the page. That's where that's some New York City is. In between, I actually flipped it around, but I had to do it because of the, how the camera works. There's a one part of New York called Westchester, which I just circled. It's by Connecticut. Drew Pine, quarterback for New Canaan, uh, he's near Westchester. We love him. We love him. We also picked up a kid from Cheshire, Connecticut, uh, from Avon Old Farms, but that's beside the point. He's a kicker. Um, preferred walk-on. Westchester has more Syracuse students per capita than any other region in New York. That's southeastern New York, folks. 
It's northern Westchester. It's north of the city. They call it upstate New York. It's not. The one thing that we see here, there's a road. He's pointing goes, to a road on the map. I'm drawing a road on the map. There's a road that goes directly from Syracuse to the Bronx. So you'll get some students there who are going on an early Thanksgiving break. You're going to get alumni of Syracuse there. You're going to get general Notre Dame haters. And then you're going to Notre Dame fans. So it's not going to be a predominantly Notre Dame crowd that a lot of people think you will be. The end. That's my rant about Syracuse. This was the first ever audiovisual podcast. Well, is there ticket allocations like there was at Fenway Park? Because that was a huge issue Boston College fans had was they were technically, I don't know if they were the home team or if they were just hosting it, but Notre Dame had all the seat allocations. So you had no Boston College fans at Fenway Park. The resale market for this is real big right now. I can tell you that. So there may have been allocations for Syracuse and Notre Dame, but the resale market, especially in New York, is huge. So, like, the tickets I got were double face value right off the bat. And uh, not, not ideal. I would love to play face value for the ticket. But how New York gets down, especially for big, big events like this, they definitely do uh, resell. And they, they'll resell to anyone. It doesn't really matter. I bought my tickets from a guy in South Carolina off of Vivid Seats. Uh, so, with that, it's going to be a very interesting crowd. I definitely think Notre Dame will be um, – will outnumber the Syracuse fans, but Syracuse fans are just those loud New Yorkers with opinions like I had about the train. Right. So that's why Syracuse scares me. Uh, also, let's ask a Canadian question here. What's your public transportation like? Do you have trains, cars, steam-powered uh, mobiles? Does every car have a plow attached to it? Do you have something to get moose out of the way? <laughs> Um, we usually just hit the moose. Um, you know. No, no, don't hit the moose. Oh, what do the moose do to you? Fuck, meese. Is it moose or meese? <laughs> I call it meese, but it's definitely not meese. It's moose. Be educated. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, public transportation really depends on the city, um, where you are. I mean, the United States, everything is a city. You know, you guys have so many fucking people there. Um, this is where Canada, you kind of get, uh, don't shake your head at me. You're wrong. Not everything's a city. You take a train from one state to another. That's mind-blowing. I'm in the same state. Steve does state to state. Okay, well, Steve does that. My point is... Yeah, um, and it makes me want to kill myself, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, so our transportation depends. Right now I'm in Ottawa, um, and we have a public bus that goes all around the neighborhoods um, throughout Ottawa and the neighboring you know, little villages nearby. Um, we also have a light rail above ground um, that's not really working right now, but most cities do, and Edmonton does as well. Um, and then in your big cities, in your Toronto, your Montreal, don't know about Vancouver, who cares about those West Coasters, um, you get a metro system or subway. So, you know, in Toronto, there's a big subway that goes through the town. Do you have Amtrak? Uh, what is that? <laughs> Oh, no, you don't have Amtrak. It goes, essentially, we can take it down the uh, the eastern seaboard from uh, Providence or Boston, really. Boston all the way down to D.C. Uh, for a day trip. No, we have Greyhound buses. So, 
Yeah, that's about it. And they're going extinct too. So. Oh my. Okay. Well, that's enough. Ask a Canadian for this week. We'll have to think of more questions next week. Uh, but moving on, Northwestern, real quick. Already, Isaiah Bowser talking all that, all that junk. He's going to get shut up real quick uh, this week. Hope he comes across the middle. And Coney Gilman, uh, Tillery, Aquara, name your person, lays them out. Uh, well, if it's going to yeah. be anyone that's going to add to their body count, it's probably going to be Jalen Elliott, who has killed a man. Three. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. I'm going to tell you guys why, why I'm afraid of Northwestern, okay? We'll sure. just look at their quick schedule. Is it the strength coach? Um, he's such a yeah. tool. Any strength coach who jumps around like that—such a friggin' tool. <laughs> who was the one with the mustache? Is that Syracuse or Clemson? I don't know, but let's let Dylan get to his part. Sorry, Sorry Dylan, I'm fired That's up. All right. That's all right. We're polite here, so you know, eh? Um, anyway, so Northwestern started their season against Purdue and won. Um, that's a game nobody cares about. You couldn't pay anyone to watch that game. Because the Big Ten sucks, and so do both of those teams. Um, Northwestern lost to a good Duke team at the time, you know, whatever. And then they lost to Akron in a weird one. Um, it was a close game. They lost by 5, 39, 34, whatever. But this is what scares me, okay? So they lost again to Michigan, and that was 2017, and that was a game Northwestern was leading for most of it. Um, that was on. That was at home against against Michigan, so they played them tough. Then Northwestern has gone on a four-game winning streak since then, beating Michigan State on the road, beating Nebraska in overtime, uh, Rutgers at Rutgers but barely beating them, and then demolishing Wisconsin at home. And here's the thing. Yes, I get Michigan State isn't that good, and I get Wisconsin isn't that good, which then why is Michigan rated high? Hornibrook does have an, an absolute noodle of an arm, but continue, please. Yeah, so those are still decent teams that they're beating. And here's the thing, they get hyped for big games, and you see it in the score lines. They beat Wisconsin bigger than they beat Rutgers. They beat Michigan State bigger than they beat Rutgers. They played Michigan to the death. It was a very close game. So we got to go there at night in a primetime game, which is always scary. It always benefits the home team. And we got to beat them. That's It's, it's tough. They're going to play us tough. They're going to get hyped for it, like all teams do. That's the curse of being Notre Dame football. Everyone wants to play you. Everyone gets hyped up for playing you because you're fucking Notre Dame. But this is because they're the New York Yankees. Exactly. And I hate that. I've talked about that before. I hate it. Go Red Sox. But yes, you're right. They are the Yankees of college football. Um, and that and that's why. So on top of that, you're getting a hyped up team that wants to beat you. And all and they don't just beat you, they play everyone tough. Right? They've beaten us the last two times. Exactly. They've played us. Right? At Notre Dame Stadium. And they and here's something interesting. Uh, ESPN FBI, or is it Predictor actually, has uh, Notre Dame, uh, they, they they give Northwestern a 27.8% chance of beating Notre Dame. It's not very good. But ironically, or interestingly rather, um, they have a worse chance of beating Iowa the next week on the road. That's how much of a home field swing they're giving Northwestern. Hmm. Uh, just going off of that real quick, the line moved from 7 to 9.5 uh, in favor of Notre Dame. Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, so with that, uh, you're seeing the line shifting towards Notre Dame, at least sharp money moving that way. Um, so I get that they're going to play them tough. I understand where you're coming from with Northwestern, but it's Evanston. It's, it's not Death Valley. I think it's going to be a good game. 
Notre Dame definitely does deserve that nine and a half point spread. I think they'll cover that spread. And the, the biggest thing is Notre Dame has the best defense out of any team Northwestern has played all year. Michigan's defense is good. Not as good as Notre Dame's. They weren't good enough to stop our backup QB. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. When you when you compare the defenses, I don't care if the also something play. worth note. Um, I'm pretty sure that the Michigan Northwestern game in Evanston. Oh wait, no, that was in Michigan. Oh, f- never mind. My point is moot. Well, it says here um, versus Michigan, so I assume that was in at Northwestern. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, regardless of that, oh, yeah, you know what? It, it was at Ryan Field. Sorry, yeah. So it was at Ryan Field. It wasn't Evanston, and it's it was light out because I'm just looking at the highlights now on my phone. Um, typically, day games in Evanston are played at like twelve, um, and and from from to my knowledge, it's it's like a lot of those twelve uh, twelve p.m. games out in Evanston, Illinois, where there's like no one in the crowd. It's just one of those sleepy games where uh, the opposing teams don't really get too pumped up for and there's like if there's no crowd to like boo and hiss at you then you, it doesn't really feel like a game it kind of feels more like a practice and that's, that's why some course. teams are more susceptible to playing crappy there so that's that's the theory of evanston illinois and ryan field and those early day games where they're crappy so hopefully we actually have an advantage that it's a night game well, i think it's like 7 30 or 7 15 kickoff 17, espn 17 espn yep so maybe if, if everyone's riled up, then we're, we're going to take the game seriously and be like, let's blow these guys out of the water. That's my talking point. Get those fans liquored up. Um, I really don't have any other talking points about Northwestern. Um, it is a very scary game. November, uh, it's the Ides of November for us, four games right there, right on the cusp of the college football playoff. Ranking came out this week, number four, Bama one, Clemson two, LSU three. Complete and other bull, utter bullshit. So going into that point, LSU's three to set up the worst case scenario if Bama loses. They'll say, oh, they lost a number three ranked Bama. We can't drop Bama or LSU. We can't drop Bama below three. You know, I, I said this a few weeks ago. Bama needs to lose twice if they're not getting in. Simple. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and I agree with you. But I would love to say go Tigers – Coach O for president, but it looks like we need Bama to run the table, take that number one spot, and I would love to see a Notre Dame Clemson two three matchup in the in the uh, the twenty ninth game, the semifinal. Trevor Lawrence is a bitch. Yep. Yeah, I totally um, agree with that. I I really would like that Clemson matchup because I think we can beat them because they don't play anyone tough, and as you would know for. Uh, uh, just when you don't play anyone tough, when you play someone tough, it's fucking hard. And hurricane season's over in December. Right. They won't get that shot at us either. So um, I like the idea of Clemson. I just want whoever can beat Alabama most to get a four. And in my opinion, um, that will either be the Oklahoma Sooners or the Ohio State Buckeyes. That's your best shot. Um, I don't think we should be in stand-up with Alabama, um, not offensively. Uh, Shea Patterson, we've seen him. He beats up on bad teams. I mean, that's the thing with Michigan. They don't play good fucking teams in the Big Ten. Um, so they look good. Um, and don't get me wrong, they are a good team. They are a really good team. I don't think they can beat Alabama. I think Ohio State can because they're much more electric. And I think Oklahoma can because they are the best offense, or at least the most fun offense in college football. 
one one point just real quick off of that, and uh, we'll we'll wrap this up soon. I think everyone loves Alabama. The, the entire nation loves Alabama. We get it. I think Tua, and this you can hate me for this point, but I did it with Bryce Love, and look who was right. Tua, when he plays a legitimate defense, we'll see it this weekend, is one of the more overrated college football players that we have seen. Now, let me tell you why I'm saying this. This isn't just me having this Irish bravado and saying I'm, no. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm on board here because when he came in last year in the national championship, we had no tape on him. So yeah. that was just a that was just a, a spark. You know, that, that was a flash in the pan. So there obviously there was no way for Georgia to adjust from Jalen Hurts to a gunslinger in like six plays. Here's the thing. He's statistically having maybe the greatest season in quarterback history. Okay, that that's great, Dylan. But he's played. <laughs> Hard to say he's overrated yet. against no. the SCLSU Mud Dogs. He ain't played no one, Paul. Here's the thing. Those other quarterbacks who've played those teams have never done as well as he has. He's played Texas A&M. Fine. So, good, so good team. Other, other quarterbacks have played or schedules that have not played as well. Mizzou, I can talk over you louder than I have the host. I can mute you. Uh, <laughs> Tennessee, LSU. I, I think I missed a game somewhere in here. Oh, I did. Louisville, Brian Van Gorder's defense. <laughs> Arkansas State, Mississippi, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Louisiana Lafayette, Arkansas, Mizzou, Tennessee. Two of those teams are good. I'll let you guess which one. I would say out of that whole bundle, Texas A&M, and maybe, maybe Mizzou, who gave them a fight, thirty-nine to ten. That's exactly what I was thinking. Those two. We talked too yeah, much. Drew Locke's a good quarterback. So looking at who he has for for November: LSU, Mississippi State, the Citadel, and Auburn. Those are three tough games. Even though Auburn's complete dog shit, which is why LSU shouldn't be ranked high because. Those wins don't look good. But Still, the whole thing is game. hasn't played anyone. And yeah. the defenses he's playing are historically ranked very low. Yeah, we'll see this week for sure. We'll see how good he is. I just you can't say he's overrated until we see him actually. I, I, mean, I did with Breslov. I made the four horsemen promise. But he, he was bad against other teams in week one against a team I've never heard of. Watch the national championship game. <laughs> this is my final point. In the national championship game, before he bid this Should have been picked off. Won it. Won. He got a sack for 27 goddamn yards. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's a situationally good quarterback. But if you get him into the situation where he can't just throw the ball – and you're giving him a little bit of pressure, and he's hurried out of the pocket, he's not able to make that snap decision like a lot of other quarterbacks are. And I'm not, I'm not talking about Notre Dame. So whoever hears this, I'm not talking about Notre Dame right now. The snap decisions that he makes aren't there always, and that's because the defensive lines aren't getting pressure on him. So That's a good, the good hypothesis. We'll see it uh, hopefully with LSU. It'd be a lot better if Devin Bush, I believe his name, the no, that's Michigan's guy, Devin Bush, the LSU linebacker, right? right. Um, yeah, he's out for the first half, and that's really bad. Um, that's just bad for college football. I also really don't like the targeting rule. No, it's, it's not the way they enforce it, at least. Um, so that's unfortunate. But hopefully, if LSU can stay within a, within you know, 
we'll say seven points at half, they have a shot. The question is, can LSU score? Which, who knows? I mean, I think Coach O's going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, drill tiger, run the ball. We're going to run the ball. We're going to get on down the bayou. We're going to get some jambalaya. We're going to run the football. We're going to go tiger. The fact that – have lost. The uh, fact that LSU is a 14-and-a-half-point dog at home in Death Valley at night when they're wearing their white uniforms, Coach O's going to step up. I might, I might take LSU to cover that game. I don't know if they'll win, but 14-and-a-half at home is a lot against a good team. A lot. And – uh you know, other than that, my prediction for for the week, I'll wrap up with this. Uh, Notre Dame wins nine and a half point spread. I'm saying they'll win. Forty-seven thirteen. Jesus Christ! I'm gonna continue on with my predictions, uh, which is just to say that Notre Dame is gonna lose one hundred to nothing. Yep, that's that's rational. Um, I, me, I I have to do this. Do you think I want this? Do you want me to have another existential breakdown, Dylan? Like yeah. I have like the last three podcasts. Do you want me to go back down that rabbit hole? Just let me do what I need to do. I'm putting the team on my back. <laughs> Dylan, did your prediction in before Steve storms off? Yeah, so I'm thinking uh, we've been giving up, even though our defense is great, we tend to go – a fair amount of points, at least more than we should. So I'm going to say uh, 41-17 because we still have an elite offense, and that offense seems to keep getting better and better, uh, pit week aside. Um, And then that defense should hold hold serve pretty well. So, yeah, I'll I'll take that. So cover nine, easy. Awesome. Let's ride into November with uh, another victory. I uh, got nothing else. Northwestern 7:15 on ESPN. Uh, another week without Flutie, so touchdown us. Uh, other than that, that's all my points for this week. Hope everyone has a safe and happy Halloween. You learned something about Canada, and go Irish, beat the Wildcats. Go Irish. And Red Sox are World Series champions. Go Irish.